¿Qué onda, primos y primas? And welcome back to My Primos Podcast. My name is Freddy. With me tonight, I have Terry Blas. Right? Terry Blas? Or Terry? Yep. Terry Blas? Or do you prefer? <laughs> that, it, right, it depends. It's like my mom, my mom calls me Terry. <laughs> and if I'm doing an interview in Spanish, it's Terry Blas. But if I'm doing an interview, it's, it's usually like easier for people to be like, Terry Blas. You know, so whatever you want. Yeah, man. I mean, I I grew. I live in Texas. I live up. I live over here in Texas. I know you're in the. You're in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm right in outside of Portland. Yep. So here in Texas, there used to be a chain of grocery stores, Latino cho- grocery stores called Terry's, and it was oh, really. A, yeah, and look it up. It's called a Terry's El Mariachi Terry's, and it was oh. this literally cartoonish mariachi character. I'm Terry. taking notes. Yeah, there you <laughs> go, man. There you go. <laughs> And as soon as I saw, like, oh, like, Terry, Terry, Terry. In my head, all I think is, oh, el Terry's. Like, el, el Terry's, el Terry's, el Terry's, el mariachi. That's el mariachi great. loco. That'll be the intro. <laughs> Next time, I'm it's all over Texas? It was, like, a, it was a big chain here. Like, they shut mine down, but Terry's was a big deal here for a while. I don't know if it's blown up anymore, but in the South, it was called Terry's. Nice. I'll check it out. That's awesome. Definitely, definitely. But with me, got Primos, I have, of course, Terry Blas. We're going to talk about uh, his current work. He is working on the current issue of Reptil. We're excited to talk about that, as well as his other work, his journey. Just chat. You know how we do it here on the show, Primos. But first, just know we have, of course, all the socials for you at My Primos Podcast. We have our Discord. Hit us up. It's lonely out there sometimes with six people chatting about (laughs) Loki, which maybe we'll chat about here, too. Uh, But, Terry... Here we are, man. Let's chat about you a little bit. So where did it start for you? Where did you grow up? Did you always grow up on the West Coast? It's one of those questions that I'm one of those people where you ask that and it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I have to tell you a story. You know what I mean? Because Perfect format for that, by the way. Right. <laughs> I was I was born in Fort Ord, California. So near Monterey. Um, it was an army base that no longer really exists. My dad yeah. was in the military. Um, but pretty soon my family moved to Boise, Idaho. And so I grew up mostly in Idaho. My dad is from Idaho. My mom is from Ameca Meca, Mexico, which is, most people have heard of Puebla at least. Yeah, but my wife's like, from Puebla. Oh, ah, see, there's a volcano, El, Big, El Popo, at the base of, Pue- of Puebla, El Popo Catepet. And okay. my mom's town, Ameca, is on the other side of the volcano from Puebla. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, yeah. okay, I got you. Um, so we would try our best whenever we could and whenever we could afford it to go in the summer and visit my mom's family. And I grew up speaking English and Spanish. Um, when I was 16, my dad retired from the military and I moved with them to Ixtapa, Zihuatanejo, like, I think it's like a hundred miles up the beach from Acapulco. Um, lived there for a little while, came back to the States to finish high school. I moved to New York City, I lived in the Bronx, then I moved to Los Angeles for a few years, and now I've been in Portland for about 16 years. Wow, so, so Portland's home. Yeah, <laughs> this is home. This is home, right? Yeah. I, we grew up in LA, me and my wife are from LA. She grew up in Puebla, and then she came when she was young. You know, Her family came over when she was real young. But I, I, LA was home forever, man. Then I fell in love, and I followed <laughs> her out here to Texas, right? Uh, and... Mm-hmm. Pues aquí llegamos, you know, Texas is home now. But Texas has been, I mean, my son was, was born in L.A. Uh, he's almost 12 now. So, yeah, like I said, Texas is home now for us. But uh, you still remember L.A., the West Coast, the weather. I miss the weather so much. Yeah, that's the thing I miss about L.A. is, I mean, here I have to drive, like, like 50 minutes just to get, like, a concha <laughs> or, like, <laughs> <laughs> or like a decent place that sells like you know like tacos or tamales or whatever. But isn't like, Portland like the whole like I mean again pop culture right cartoons TV like oh the hip place and it's kind of so like Austin. There is really great food here and it's a very welcoming and open kind of place you know like for especially for young people. But it is the whitest major city in the country. So <laughs> so yeah. True. True, not, mm-hmm. not a lot of color there, not a lot of conchas, not a lot of birrerias, not a lot of, not a lot yeah. of uh, pupuserias maybe, you know, from Salvador. So we Perfect, look for good yeah. pupusas, man. Right, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that's pretty much it. And then, yeah, when I moved out to Portland, I, I went to art school here. Um, I got an illustration degree, and that's what I started doing in comics was drawing uh, covers and then some interior, like, comic work. Um, but several years ago, I transitioned mostly into writing just because when you draw comics, you have to be able to draw everything, you know? And True. I didn't want to draw 
bikes and buildings and Lamp cars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, I like drawing people. I like drawing characters. And and the reason I like drawing characters is because I like creating characters and telling stories. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm an organized person. I love structure. I love telling people stories. This seems like it's tailor-made for me. I, I'm going to try my hand at writing. And if I do that, I can write something, somebody else can draw it. And while they're drawing it, I can write something else. So for you know, me, I was like, yeah, I can get paid faster. <laughs> shit, right? Yeah. Because yeah. think about it this way. It's always like music, right? I go to music, mm -hmm. I play music a lot. People always make the joke, but I love The Clash, right? And everybody yeah. knows The Clash, you know the hits. Right? Mm -hmm. And then the, I remember Joe Strummer, hey, The Clash, The Clash. But then the bass player comes in and goes, you don't make any money if you play the bass and you don't make any money if you don't write the songs. So I got to write some songs, you know, yeah. and sometimes in art, you're like, oh, cool. I love to draw. I have, I have, I love the, you know, building a character. And then you're right though. You're, you're kind of like, it sucks because as the artist, I'm imagining, right. In those scenarios, it's like, Hey, just draw this shit. I wrote down and make it the way I want it. <clears throat> yeah. Know? I think that because I, hopefully, <laughs> because I have a background in illustration, I know, I know what it's like to draw a script. Somebody else writes for you. And so I try my best to, you know, when I write something, it's very structured. But I tell the editor and I tell the artist, it's structured this way just because that's how I write, just because it's the best way for me to get it, how I get it out of my head. But if you guys have a better way, if you feel like, wait a minute, this panel, we don't need this, it can go here. I don't care. You need to feel like you're part of the process too and like you're contributing too. As long as the story still works, then, you know, who cares? How but much? Yeah, I, yeah. flexing do they let you do as an artist right like if someone gives you a script i know we'll move into your work here but like someone gave you a script and go hey man this is what i want it just depends on the type of work or is it just your tenure like okay they, they give you a little freedom on how you interpret the work i would think that i mean at least mostly in my experience that um i would leave that up to the editorial like the editor the editor just Got because it. i won as a you know, comics are a collaborative team effort. It's not too often that one person does everything. Sometimes, you know, sometimes they do and fine and they're yeah. amazing. But, you know, if you're working with an editor or if you're working with an illustrator, I want to be someone who is agreeable to work with so that you would want to work with me again. <laughs> so I usually try to say like, you know, here are my thoughts. Like, you know, we do notes, like all of the pencils or the inks or the colors just came in. You know, what do you think of this? And if I have something that I really feel strongly about, I'll mention it and I'll tell the editors, but you know, I defer to you. Like, if you yeah. think that's important, great. If not, fine. But um, yeah, if it's some sort of like, usually if it's some sort of like continuity thing, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. No, that shirt needs to be this color because, you know, three panels ago it was shown here or whatever. Yeah. That's different than like I just kind of want this to be different. That's <laughs> yeah, a little different. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, uh, we picked up some of your work at uh, Mex Americon a few years back, man. Your mm -hmm. Wonder Woman work. Yeah. And your stuff there, like like Walter Chikume was a huge fan of your stuff. He's like, dude, I love this interpretation of the hero. <laughs> you know, like like put some color in her. You know what I mean? Into into Wonder Woman and just like I love that image and I love mm -hmm. the representation. We're always about representation, right? And yeah. in all facets, you know, be it just. Latinidad, uh, LGBTQ, uh, you know, all these things that we just kind of always been either uh, done like in a pandering fashion, unfortunately, but we've been whitewashed and pandering yeah. or, but now we're getting respect, respectfully shown because the artists themselves have skin in the game, you know? Yeah. I feel like representation is, I'm very passionate about it. And for me, it's a specifically Mexican issue, if that makes any sense, because we are, the, the Latino Latinx community is the largest ethnic minority group in the United States with the least amount of representation across Crazy. movies, television, you know, and we number roughly 50 million in the United States. Of that 50 million, 30 are Mexican, you know, and still on TV, if we see ourselves, sometimes there's some things that are changing. There's some great people in the game who are like, you know, champion some great representations but then you like, get there is a mariachi right right or you get like um especially for women the fastest growing demographic in the in the united states is the college educated latina and mm. still on tv it's like she's either like a sex object or she's like a frumpy maid or she's like a drug dealer's girlfriend 
And it's like, that's not represent representative of the fastest growing demographic. Latinas should see that they can be brave or flawed or interesting or funny or whatever. And they're still really stereotyped. So yeah, I feel like um, representation is directly Mexican issue because, and you know, for me, like a LGBT issue as well, but because the way I feel is if we don't see ourselves reflected back at, at us, then the message that we receive is that we don't exist. Like, where are we? Yeah. You know? Yeah, you're, and, you're, and nobody you know, should you're shoved aside. No one's there to speak for you, right? And my, yeah. uh, my sister is the only one correlation. She, she identifies as gay. Her and her wife <clears throat> would read some of the books and they would tell me, oh, you know, like, it sucks, man. But they give me this vibe. Like, how come, like, I'm getting mean vibes from these characters, but how come they're not just acknowledging it? Like, why is it almost having to almost be hidden in the message? That they're yeah. they're gay or they're Mexican or they're Latino, they're, but they're not blatantly just stating it. You know, and I dig that I in, really, in your book. You know, because I yeah. think that it's out there. This familia is Mexican, and I love the yeah. representation. And thank you. Yeah, I wanted to do something in my first. Well, in another book I wrote, it was called Hotel Dare, and the art was by Claudia Aguirre. She's from um, she's from Mexico, and there's a young Mexican girl in it. And her sister says like, oh, this kid, he, you know, he, I beat him up because he said you were queer. And she says, I am queer. And then you move on, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they never really talk about it again. And that's because I wanted this character to have an adventure. I wanted them to like, go do something cool in this book. And I think it was that book that um, the editors at Marvel read, um, which is why they contacted my agent and asked if I would even be interested in writing something like Reptile. So yeah, I, I think it's a good a good time right now. I mean, things could be better, obviously, right? Like you said, especially representation. But the fact that you can write a, a story, write a book here that is going to one dude who the fuck doesn't love dinosaurs? Like straight up, like who just doesn't love <laughs> right? dinosaurs? dinosaurs. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I was such a dinosaur kid. I mean, I, mean, I say was. I, <laughs> I have plenty of figurine right over here. But right? yeah, it's I, that's what I thought when I was approached by this. I was like, wait a minute. This is, character is not new. He's a Mexican-American kid that could turn into dinosaurs. Why have I never heard of him? Exactly. I had and to I do a like, Google search like, hold on, reptil number one. Like, who's yeah. this kid? And he's, and he's been around for like 10 years in comics. Like buried, no pun intended, in in like yeah. the like you know like you have to yeah. almost dig to find anything decent out of it. And then the cool thing about your story is you give us, and I guess we're diving into the book a little bit. Sure. But you know <laughs> we we get a quick synopsis for the reader that's never known who Beto is, right? Mm -hmm. And then it made me go, okay, well shit, let me go Google this character. Like, oh yeah, they had, okay, I get more from mm -hmm. your story exciting me to learn about his backstory because you know the geek yeah. like geek like me i want to know more i'm a completionist right like if i i now i need to know everything i need to have yeah. re read everything that he's in or <laughs> you know because then i feel like incomplete that's why I, I sometimes i love anime but sometimes i can't do it because i'm like what do you mean there's 15 sailor moon movies i don't which one <laughs> i don't need to i can't oh, I but can't this do is the thing. alternate version in a different right. universe oh, which doesn't count moon because serena has this Right. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm no. Yeah. So, and I love it, but I'm like, I can't, I can't get into it if there's too much. Cause then I feel like I'm never going to be able to complete it. But yeah, I thought like, who doesn't love dinosaurs? This kid should be known by everyone. It, it, how is he not the most popular Marvel character for kids was what I thought, you know? And his cousin Julian in, in one issue says like, you have the power every kid would want. Yeah. Like, and, and he's you, the and biggest fanboy. Like, dude, yeah. you are a superhero and dinosaurs yeah. and he even pokes fun at them that you don't know every dinosaur like dude yeah, like, here's an app. Not, right <laughs> and i wanted i wanted beto to be like uh, part of what i wanted him to feel like in this book was that he felt like a 16 year old you know sometimes when you i think you write a, a teenage superhero you can tend to like age them up a bit because then they'll know everything about their powers or they'll like you know be super intelligent or important or whatever and I was like, no, he's got to be into like, you know, manga. And he's just like, wants to eat tacos and play video games with his grandpa. And, you know, he's still a kid. Um, and that's why I didn't want him to know everything about dinosaurs. Like, if like I love cartoons, right? I don't know every single cartoon that ever existed. Right. <laughs> and I mean, we all try to pretend we know that obscure right? <laughs> Brave Star cartoon reference, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, I know dinosaurs. Of course, oh, I know uh -oh. dinosaurs from the 80s. There you go. But, you there know, you go. 
but yeah, I just wanted him to feel, I wanted these kids to feel like kids. And then, I mean, it's pretty appropriate considering this podcast, but I was like, if I'm going to write this book about this kid, sorry, but he has to have primos because yeah, who, who is he going to talk to? <laughs> exactly. Like my, my, my kid's an only child, man. His cousins are everything. I was the only yeah. boy. My cousins, my primos were, were my blood. They, they were like mm -hmm. my brothers, you know, like we had yeah. a relationship and you know, I, I, I love how you've written this character, but I wanted to touch a little bit back on how you mentioned, do you revert back to 16 year old Terry when you're writing this? Because it's different times, man. I mean, no, no disrespect. I mean, we're, we're oh, 16 no, years in, in a whole different yeah, world. I'm definitely not 16. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, um, man? The, I think the shine off the light tells you I'm nowhere near 16, but uh, there was no I, apps. <laughs> so I think I, it's a good question because I think that maybe in a way I, ref, I refer back a little bit, but I have to be super aware that if I'm writing, most of the stuff I write is about young adults, about teenagers. Yeah. yeah. And they're living in a very different world than the one I grew up in. I grew up in, like, I graduated high school in 1998. Yeah. Like, you know, a teenager today would be like, ooh, in the 1900s? <laughs> like, you know? Like, <laughs> Doesn't it trip, trip you out? My kid's going to turn 12, and then he hears something like, oh, look at the, hey, dad, look at they're talking about this classic rock from the 90s. Oh, no. I'm like, oh, no. Classic rock from the 90s? Like, are you kidding me? Like, this was the best music invented. Don't say classic. Don't That's say classic. like, yeah. Let's say classic. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I just try to keep in mind, like, um, you know, Julian, before I think this would be like, oh, fine, here's my book on dinosaurs. And now it's like, download this app. I can't with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and also the idea that, like, if this if this were me kind of going back to when I was 16, I don't think I would be able to write Julian's character as sort of like mm. out and not, you know, caring what people think about him. It's a definitely a different world. Um, because I, th I think that also within, you know, our community, there can be, and this will be discussed maybe a little bit coming mm. up, but there is some sort of like, you know, this idea of like what a Mexican man is supposed to be, mm. you know, this, mach this macho, this like, you know, hombre, this like thing. And Julian's like, that's not who I am. Like, and it doesn't make me any less of a person. Um, and I think that that may that may be even contributing. I'm not I'm not giving you like secret tea here, but I think okay. that may be even contributing to maybe what his grandpa like why he won't talk about his health issues. He's like, well, I don't yeah. do that. That will make me look weak. You, you know? know, I have an uncle, and he touch a touch a subject that hits a lot of people here. Not only do Latinos, Mexicans, Salvadorians, everyone, we can't be depressed. Just get over mm -hmm. it. Uh, you can't get sick. Just put some dirt on it and let's move forward. Just, and go, just go sniff some uh, Vivaporu. Yeah, Vivaporu. Right? Oh, yeah. hey, you know what? I know this. Hey, I know this guy, Kesova. He'll rub your rub your back and, and do all this and blow smoke in your face before they'll go to a doctor. You know, because yeah. it, it's ridiculous, but it still happens today. It is 2021, and we I mm -hmm. still have a deal that that man has not gone to the doctor once in his life until he oh, got COVID. And, and went to the hospital to. and yeah. he had to. You know what I mean? It's craziness. Mm. And even double backing on the on the machismo, that whole I promise you, everything listening to this show over 25 years old is like, shoot, yep. You mm -hmm. know, because everyone has been had that beaten into them, you know, mentally, yeah. some unfortunately physically, that this is the way it's supposed to be. My father, for example, is a man that would I asked him in tears in high school saying, I just want you to talk to me. And he mm -hmm. literally looked at me in tears and walked out the room. Yeah, couldn't you know? do it. Couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. But it's just I think crazy. one of the strongest things we can say to people, um, you know, in our community that, that I think exhibit that, or even men, is to just be like, look, emotions don't scare me. <laughs> you, you know what? I think that disarms people sometimes. And, and I, I think that that relates in a bit to the struggle that is happening with this character, with Umberto in this book, is that his cousins are, I think, trying to help him understand, like, when you're afraid of who you are, when you're afraid of your power or the things that you can do, when you don't fully embrace that, that's when it, that's when your life, you know, you're not living your life to the fullest. He's afraid to go full dinosaur because he thinks he can't control it. Yeah. Because he doesn't understand it. He doesn't understand who he is. And I think Julian's trying to get him to be like, look, you need to embrace who you are. He says something in that second issue about like, like you have the power to make a difference if you if you 
embrace who you are. Like, how are we supposed to believe in a better world um, for people like us when we don't see people like us, you know, representing? That stood out. Yeah. Julian's statement stood out, you know, and Julian, like you said, the two things I love about the character, it's not blatantly thrown in your face, you know, that he's out. You know, it, it's it's in, it just it's very it's very smartly done. Like when you read it between the lines, in a sense, but it's it's finesse when it comes mm -hmm. to that, right? Yeah, that's and just who he, it's just who he is. It's who he is, like you know. And secondly, the fact that he was very vocal, like man, like wake up, mm -hmm. like wake up. I get that vibe from him. Like I'm here to wake Berto up. I'm here to wake everybody. Wake up, everybody. You know, like yeah. he's that. Like he's that voice in your head that you want to always be talking, but you kind of for some reason hesitate. He's right. that voice. Yeah, and I think that comes from he's he's a character that's embraced, you know, who he is. And he I think he's got a mom who you'll you'll get more about it in issue 3. You'll find a little bit more about sort of that history. But um, you know, he's got a mom and a grandpa that support him and that love him and and I think that part of what that comes from is a lot of the trauma that this family went through when they lost you know, Beto Family lost his members. parents. Yeah, yeah. You know, Papa Vic lost his his um, daughter and I mean, son-in-law. Son yeah, and, you know, Tia Gloria <laughs> lost her sister. So, like, I think that that comes with like, oh, life is short. We need to like not waste time on all this stuff that that doesn't matter. Can and you so, agree that Latino, Latinx, Latinx children mature a lot faster? They're, they're almost forced to mature a lot faster yeah. when it comes to loss. Oh yeah, absolutely. Bigotry, um, you know, for for a number of reasons. Sure. And I think that in general, uh, this is a uh, maybe a stereotype or generalization. But in one case, imagine you have to translate for your parents at like parent teacher night or at court or at you know whatever. You're obviously yeah. going to mature a little faster. You know, if you have to navigate half of your day at home where you speak Spanish and the other half of your day out at school where you speak English, you know, you're going to feel like if you feel behind in language, cause Oh, I need to catch up. I need to like be, you know, ahead of the game. So I think there's a lot of things about our community that make, that make young people in it have to grow up pretty fast. But yeah. on the same note, why can't my son be a kid a little longer? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and I love, I love the the, the 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 characters you're writing because they still have that like glimmer, man, in their eyes. Like you know, they're still kids. They're so excited. They have mm -hmm. hope. Beto seems so like almost a mirror to a young adult that's just like defeated. Nothing mm -hmm. works. I'm just bummed. This is what it is. The rules say this. The law is passes this. I can't do what I want. But these are guys that are like, just like so like no. There's hope. And I still mm -hmm. see that in these kids, man. Yeah, and I think even like Eva has a different approach. She's saying, you know, she's saying like, just just by me knowing you, you inspired me that I thought maybe I could do something great. And yeah. so, and that doesn't mean that she's like, I mean, I think she is sort of mature beyond her years. She's like taking college courses and whatnot, but she's still like, uh-uh, let's go have tacos. Let's hang out. <laughs> is Eva, so it's, let me ask you this question. Maybe you can't answer it, but mm -hmm. I'll ask it because I'm here okay. with the creator. <laughs> Is Eva an original character that you created? And is she now Marvel canon? With I mean, is she something I say, we can... I will say this. Okay. Ju Julian and Eva, Tia Gloria, and this villain are all original characters I created. Awesome. Because they're in official Marvel comics, I assume that means they're canon. Nice. I'm going to say that they are, because yeah. that means you've, you're... you're <clears throat> You've spread the seeds, man. We're going to get something out of this. And I see it. I hope Eva is going to blow up from what I'm vibing off of. So, okay, okay. Those shrugs, we'll leave it alone. <laughs> Those shrugs are in quotes, I neither, okay? I will neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> the shrugs are in quotes, everybody. Yeah. But yeah, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank quote you, marks. Sarcastic quote marks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I love that. I love but that. That's something that when I pitched the book, I said, look, if I'm going to write this, that he's got to have cousins. One of them's gay and one of them's a girl. And she's like super smart. <laughs> because those are the like you said you know i think that kids like la latino and latinx kids they have to like mature pretty fast just like queer kids because yeah. you know when we spend our day like say at school we're worried about you know if you if you have to worry about like is someone going to bully me 
is someone going to make fun of either me because I'm gay or make fun of my accent or make fun of my skin color? We're worried about those things when what we should be worried about is when we're kids is like, did I do a good job on my English exam? Right. So yeah. that, like you said, robs us of a bit of our childhood. And when I think you have supportive community, supportive parents, family, like Evan Julian, then you get to see kids like if they're not trying to survive, then they get to thrive. Amen, man. You know? That is such a statement because I, I'm I'm with you. Uh, I said we we grew up. I mean, an example with with I must don't want to put words in your mouth, but you know, my father was a very strong, very masculine driven i mean the man did bodybuilding like it was all about muscles and being strong and you know you're weak etc you know and mm-hmm. hey, you should go do this for a living go pour concrete and i go i just want to write stories dad you know like it's a whole like mm-hmm. ugh, like you know almost like look down upon flash forward 20 something years the man looks at me and goes are you happy are you okay Mm-hmm. You know, age changes things, things move forward. Do you think that how things are now, using the example of the book, let's say these characters are growing up in this, you know, of course, superhero world, fantasy, but yeah. we're taking a lot from the time. We're considering it's modern times. In these modern times, it's allowing for more and more kids like this. Let's just assume Beto is the beginning of something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that it helps kids to see themselves reflected back that way. And I hope that, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know, like, really anything beyond this this miniseries about what could happen or what could be. Yeah. But I would I would hope that if the book it does well, if it's supported, if, you know, it makes money, that why would Marvel say no to doing more? I don't see why yeah. they would. Primo's go out there, yeah. buy his book. You need to go buy <laughs> Reptile number one, digitally, I, physically. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted I wanted to write this for, you know, hopefully anyone can read it and find something great in it. Either, you know, you're a kid and you're have a, having a rough time or you're someone who lost someone close to you or, you know, you're a, a queer kid who sees yourself in Julian. There's, you know, hopefully there's something there for a lot of different people. But a big part of the book is like, who are you a hero for? You know, like what's mm. what what community do, do you represent? And so this is a book for Mexicans, for Mexican Americans. And I hope that you know some of those at the beginning of issue two. If you haven't read it, slightly spoilery. But there's a conversation about dinosaurs, but also about Mexican pride. You know, he asks his mom what her favorite dinosaur is. And she's like, oh, that's easy. It's Quetzalcoatlus. You know, and he's like, say what? What is that? And <laughs> yep. she's like, listen, this dinosaur is named after an Aztec god. And his dad's like, that's important. You know, it's, it, you know, having something with a Mexican name that is a source of pride that, you know, we, we get to share our culture with the world that way. You know, and so you shouldn't be ashamed of where you come from or who you are, or, you know. So hopefully, the and it does. community, you know, <laughs> gets my something son, out of it. I had to tell him, like, check this out, check out the book. We read the book, and he's like, Is it really a Mexican dinosaur? And I go, like, No, it's named after a Mexican god. And then I explained it to him, we looked up the mythology, you know, and then it kind of, my wife's from Mexico, from El Salvador, regardless, I try to teach as much as I can. And then it kind mm-hmm. of fell on me as a parent. I go, Oh, shit, there's an interest. Let's go look it up. Let's go. Now let's dig. Now let's talk yeah. about it. You know, and we bring up the conversations and that your book did that. So I give you, I give oh, you that it, mission accomplished, at least good. for that. <laughs> that makes me happy. Good. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad, man. You know, um, I want to come back a little bit to, to the book here. And um, I know you, we have the issues coming out. The next issue is, uh, I believe, August. The next issue, actually, I believe, comes out in one week. 23rd. No, yeah. 20, yeah, yeah, the 21st, yeah. I believe. 21st. Yeah. So that'll be issue three. Yeah. Um, it, they're skipping a month so that I guess mm-hmm. everybody can catch up in August, yeah. right? And then yeah. the final issue will be released in September. Um, there will be a little thing that I can, you know, release that I can promote and talk about re- semi-related to this in August and okay. the end of okay. July. So yeah, you won't be left with, you won't be left with nothing, and... but yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> check Perfect. out my Twitter and I'll let you Definitely. know my Twitter. But Definitely, man. What's, what's your Twitter? Let's just go ahead. My, what's your Twitter? My Twitter is get this, Terry Blass. <laughs> In our so school, my, original. my, my uh, the head of my department, he was like, "Be easy to find." <laughs> 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 He's like, "People can't hire you if you're not easy." Stop to being find. clever. 
Right. Stop yeah. being clever. So, Terry Blast is my Instagram. It's my Twitter. It's yeah. Yep. <laughs> so let's let's go back. You moved around a lot. Military. Your yep. mother. Your father. What was the plan in high school, man? Was always artistic. Was that like, oh man, I'm, I want to draw. I want to. I want to write. I mean, was it always art? Or was Was there a different plan? Did you want to be a vet? <laughs> no. Yeah, I oh, I was always drawing, and I thought that. You know, mostly influenced by like my dad and by the things that I was allowed to be exposed to because I grew up very religious. Mm. Um, I thought that I was going to like try to be a Disney animator, you know, like draw cartoons yeah. for Disney or something. Um, that's not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but in California, I was preparing to like go to art school because I knew that drawing was the thing that I thought the thing that I thought I was best at. And um, it didn't really work out for me there. A friend of mine, she was working in comics in Portland, and she was like, why don't you just move to, to Oregon? There's no sales tax here. All you've got to do is sit inside and draw all day because it rains like six months out of the year. And there were a lot of comic book companies here. So I moved here, and it was crazy. The week that I, that I moved to Portland, I found an apartment, I found a job, and I got into art school all in the same week. It was meant to be. Yeah. And then, I, you know, three and a half years later, graduated art school. Um, started drawing in comics. I joined a studio in downtown Portland called Helioscope. And it's, um, I believe, the largest collection of independent comic artists in the country where we just share like studio space and and draw and work there. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I started working there just because of the few people that I knew there, got a couple little gigs doing some comic book covers. Um, and after a while there, I decided that I wanted to start writing. And so I started submitting pitches to different companies and things just kind of took off from that. Oh, I say took off. It was like 10 years. of. <laughs> it was a slow start, like the run right. up, run yeah. up, run up. We're building up. Like, people say like, how do you get discovered in comics? I was like, nobody gets discovered. This isn't like the 60s where you're sitting in like a malt shop and someone's going to come in and be like, I discovered you. Malt do you want to draw? You got to like, oh. you know, you've got to like put in the work. And in fact, one of the guys that started the studio told me, I was like, how do I, you know, just start getting a lot more work and how do I like create a career where I, you know, don't have to worry about money and where jobs come to me. And he was like, you have to put 10 years into this of struggle. And I was like, Ooh, day one. <laughs> and I just did it. You're like, Oh, you mean like, Oh, I gotta wait. Yeah. I just can't right. happen. Right. Yeah, exactly. I can't just like <laughs> skip those 10 years. But those those ten years are like you know they're basically learning on the job. It's something that was really important that I that I thought about that you mentioned earlier was, you know, when you talked about um, ownership of like characters and things like that and and writing versus drawing. You know, I remember learning that like if I write if I write like say like an X Men story or something, and then they turn that into a movie or a cartoon, I don't make any money because I don't own the X Men. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, I just wrote something for them. And so that's why I felt like what I really wanted to do and where I really thought I could learn was making up my own stories and writing them for independent companies. That's what my first book is called Deadweight. And it's um, a book I co-wrote with my friend Molly Muldoon. And it's a murder mystery set at a fat camp. And the main character it. the main character is a plus-size Mexican girl. Her name's Jessie, Jessica. Um, and she wants to design clothes and her parents tell her that she can go to the summer fashion program she wants to go to next year if she loses weight at fat camp this year. And oh, then man. while there, she witnesses a murder. <laughs> Dude, I love it. Right. Let's make a TV show happen. I love right. it. And I was like, hey, but I own those characters. Those are characters I created. Yeah. You know? Same with Hotel Dare. You know, I created Mama Lupe, Olive, all these characters there that I just felt like. You know, if something gets made there, then then at least that's a point of pride for me that that was something I created and put into the world, um, and it's not some other company that's making all the money off of something I wrote. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong; like, uh, there is something to be said about taking somebody's character and making it your own, right? So, for example, like mm -hmm. let's say Reptil, right? You said kind of an unknown character, like and it was like, who yeah. is this kid? Okay, cool power. He belongs to Marvel. Okay, yeah. but there's nothing there, no substance, right? And then yeah, I think they wanted him to have. Um, a bit more of a solid sort of like character and personality. And I think that's not to say I'm not throwing shade at anyone who wrote him before that a lot of the stuff that was written with him before, I think is really good, but just by default of him being in a teen book, 
team, not teen. <laughs> uh, there's so many other characters that you have to focus on as well. So you don't get sort of like, you know, the meaty character moments and character development as much as you would in a series that just focuses mostly on him. Yeah, because I mean, so, we look at it, he was, a, he was with the uh, Avengers Academy, that mm -hmm. whole story arc, you know, I, trust me, yeah. I, I was all, I'm geeking out, like, where is this kid? <laughs> um, but yeah. you're right. That's why one shots make a big deal for me. I enjoy one shots. I enjoy small series, you know, solo series because I'm like, I want to know more. If yeah. I didn't care, I whatever. Dude, he could be the fucking wallpaper. Yeah. But there's enough here for me to want to know more. Like you said, dude, who wouldn't want you know, dinosaurs and pits and fucking fauna and like that whole split in the story, man, got me really excited. Where it's like, wait a minute, fauna and. And I was like, oh, there's something here. Yeah. You know? And I'm that's like, so in my research and in my writing, I came across that character that you see in issue two, the, the hag. Mm -hmm. And she was a character that Jack Kirby created, you know, all the way back then. Wow. And they decided in the writing of, um, because she comes from Dinosaur World, which is not the Savage Land. Dinosaur World's this different earth, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think they decided, like, well, if she comes from Dinosaur World, then she should be the one who created his amulet. So that wasn't an idea I came up with. That was established. And here, Julian's like, well, who knows the most about it? There you go. The <laughs> okay, cool, let's go see. Well, I think he said, I, I don't remember. Funnest person to have around. Like, dude, yeah. where can we get the best tortas right now? He's going to be the guy to know. know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think he says something like, like, who created your amulet then? And Beto says, like, oh, the hag of the pits. And he says, the hag of the what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, then, like, I when he sees, he sees the pits, he says something like, oh, you have a really lovely home. <laughs> like, he doesn't know what to say. A little lovely hole in the ground. But I, I also think it, that when you can, when you can um, laugh for a character, like, when you, you <laughs> yeah. know, you're much more su susceptible to feel emotion for that character. And so... Um, towards the end of that issue, something happens. And I think hopefully people, you know, will be invested enough to be like, no. <laughs> yeah, definitely check out the book, guys. I, I, I'm invested. I'm in. And uh, Chikume made a thing. He takes his daughter to the comic book shop in the bookstore like every week, every other week to pick up books. That. And he's like, I'm making it a thing. We're going to get reptile. And that's her, you know, because Latino character. And See, she's young. She's like, that's awesome, but she loves going, I mean. the experience of going yeah, and seeing is, the book. And, oh, okay. I would feel so wrong writing Reptil and then a little girl going to pick it up and read it and not seeing anything in there for her. You know, and that's not to say she can't relate to Umberto. Like, you know, yeah. I'm sure plenty of girls see that and they're like, oh man, that's badass. And I want to turn into dinosaurs too. But then to just have that and Eva in there that just like, you know, or maybe you see Tia Glow and you're like, okay, one day I want to have a nice house in LA and I want to be a doctor. That's what's going to get great. Yeah, so, you know, I want to yeah. be a grandpa playing video games, you know, like totally, yeah. long hair, but mm -hmm. here I am, you know? Yeah, he looks, like a, he looks like a frail Danny Trejo, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I would have given him more like, I get vibes from who is it? Like for whatever reason, and maybe it's just me, man. Ricardo Mortalban, but with long hair. Okay, yeah. Like, I guess it's easier I to get. throw a ponytail on someone than to make them look like frail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, for me. I see it. Yeah. So, but uh, I'm all about it, man. But yeah, so you you jumped in, you started doing the the work, wanted to be an animator, you jumped to comics, and I mean, we're here and we're we're here talking because of the fact that the book just is hits the right nose for a presentation, man. You know and caught my eye obviously you can't get i'm not gonna say you, there isn't but you can't get it bigger than a marvel or a dc i mean that's that's yeah, they're, huge. They're called the big two right i mean that literally is yeah. and honestly where do we go from here you know what what is next for terry you know what what's up down the line that you can share about or talk about or your own personal things you're yeah. working on i'm always working on personal projects always always um <clears throat> In October, I have a book, a graphic novel for young adults coming out um, about Cesar Chavez. And so oh, cool. it's about his walk that he did with um, the whole group, you know, yeah. um, and the strike that they that they did. Um, and so it's the first time that I wrote like a, a, kind of a biography of a real person. Um, but it was a great experience and I love working on that book. And so that's out in October. And also in October, I have another book with Claudia Aguirre who drew Hotel Dare. She did a story, she did Steve Orlando's story in the Marvel Voices Pride issue 
which oh, introduced okay. the character Somnus. So she's got some uh, a story, a Marvel story in there. But um, she's like, I call her mi hermana mexicana. We've never even met in real life, but <laughs> we like talk every day. And she um, drew this, drew another book that I have coming out from Shirley Books, um, which is uh, also Abrams. Um, it's called Lifetime Passes. And um, it's about a theme park. It's a very strange setup story. But um, Dude, right here, I want to know it. I okay, want to know okay. it. What is it? I love it. Right, right, right. Dish, man, dish. Um, <laughs> it's about <laughs> a young Mexican girl named Jackie. And she lives with her aunt. And she's obsessed with her local theme park, which is called Kingdom Adventure. It's a fairy tale theme park. And she has these other teenage friends. They're all terrible and they're all like bad, awful kids. And um, she lives with her aunt who runs, a, she's the head nurse at an elder care facility. And her aunt tells her, you know, we're running out of money. I'm sorry, but I can't afford your pass for next season. You know, I know you love going to this Into park. the world, man. Right. Well, for world. her, to, and for her, it is. And you find out, you come to find out why. And you know, she had a connection to this park because of her parents who were deported, mm. and you know, her okay, dad okay. always used to take her to this park. So she, that's her, like that's where she feels closest to her parents, and she really needs to go. So <clears throat> at the park, when her and her friends go for like one last kind of hurrah, um, they overhear some people talking and find out that the park has a rule that if a member of your party dies while at this park to avoid a lot of legal trouble, the company will give your the rest of your party lifetime passes to the I'm party. in, dude. Sign October? Okay. Yes. What is this and called? It's called Lifetime Passes. And the Love kids it. come up with a plan to form a fake senior citizen outreach program to take the elder, <laughs> oh the elder <laughs> to the park in hopes oh that one God. of them just might die, die on a while there. And <clears throat> there's an old woman named Fit. See, I can't tell you just like a one sentence. No, this. you can't, man. Because so, I'm and, like, and, I'm in Literally, though. this is all set up. This is just all the setup. Oh, okay, um, okay. There's an old lady named Phyllis who lives at the elder care facility. And she's very fashionable and kind of old Hollywood. But she's this old mm -hmm. lady. And she, you get the sense that she knows what these kids are doing. But she decides, she volunteers to go with them quite a bit anyway. <laughs> and she has her own reasons for doing so. And what I wanted to do was create a story where, you know, Jackie and this woman start to relate to each other. So she doesn't want anything bad to happen to her. But then that means that the kids are like, well, we'll say this was your idea. If you stop doing it, your aunt will lose her job. Ooh. So that's that book. <laughs> and then Dude, in November, in November, I love it. I believe in November, don't quote me on this, but I think that's when the collected trade of, reptile comes out Ooh, there um, you go. but yeah i'm working on a few other books i have one book that the only other project i have that's been announced that i can talk about is called eat your heart out and it's another book with oni press and i'm writing that with my friend maddie newton and it's about a young <laughs> i write a lot of books about young latinas <laughs> young mexicanas <laughs> There you um, go. You have it's a about a you young Mexican-American girl from Idaho named Blanca. Hmm. And yeah. And um, her mom, Reina, wants her to go into real estate. And she's like, I don't think so. She wants to do fashion. So when her mom leaves, she runs away to where her late father's home was in New York City to the Big Apple. And she moves in with seven gay guys. <laughs> Keep going. I'm and then, keep going. And then her mom sends a private investigator after her. So it's essentially a Mexican modern day queer retelling of Blanca Nieves. Blanca. Um, yeah. You know, because Blanca and the Reina seven. and Eat Your Heart Out and the Seven and Guys the seven, and the Big Apple. The oh and then the guys. private investigator is like the, you know, the huntsman. And, yeah, huntsman. Yeah. And so... Um, and tell me it's, there's an angry gay one, there's a sleepy gay one, and there's a hungry gay it's one. It's more like it's more like there's <laughs> so like a twink funny. and a bear and a drag queen and a you know, it's more okay, like that. that mix. Okay, okay. Um, but um there's no release date for that yet, but um <laughs> it's moving along. That is awesome. I, I'm super excited for it. It's gonna be really, really fun. Um I do you know, have, I'm, I'm gonna one day I'm gonna I have this pitch. Um I have a friend, she's an artist too, Elia Maria Madrid. Do you know her? Oh yeah, I she do. does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So um, we chat, we talk here and there, and she does creative stuff. And I pitched her this idea long ago, and I'm like, dude, think about it. Like, 
either you or me or somebody we know we have to make this happen. She, she loves like, you know, drag race and, and drag uh -huh. and stuff like that. And it's fun, right? And I tell her, I had a story that me and my buddies came up with one night and we called it One Last Drag. And they're like, <laughs> well, what, what is this? What is it about? And I go, think about it. One Last Drag is a team of older, almost kind of like semi or about to be retired drag queens to the I point where already <laughs> right semi kind of like on their last leg you know kind of but still have a following just kind of falling off yeah and they've kind of hard up for money they're the cabaret is kind of shutting down and they're like well you know what let's just let's just you know throw one last one last big show one last big event but someone comes across like online or i, I forget how i got there where there's a there's a competition called the one last drag but the competition is actually a drag race. And so they become the first all drag pit crew slash drivers for a drag race and get this huge following. I have a friend that would love this. Because whenever we watch drag race, he's like, why aren't there more cars in this? I want more cars. There you go. This is the, and she's like, I love it. I love it. And they named the car the runway. Oh, and, I love it. And that's the one that, and it's a whole story about, you know, mm -hmm. making, the rest of the world accept them because it's not usually what you see. It becomes a whole mm -hmm. idea about growth and you know what? They still got it regardless of their age and they made a comeback. And that's so yeah. we talked about making that into a thing. So, you know, man, make it, make it right. You have so, to yeah. now you just put the idea out into the world. It's into the world, man. And I have to <laughs> now. So you can't copyright ideas apparently. There you so, go. Um, no, like, I love the idea that, you know, you're able to write these stories that just, why not? They're fun, regardless of, of who they're targeted at. They're just fun stories in general. You know, Thank that's what you, yeah. it, it's dope. I love it. I'm excited to see where Reptil goes. And really, if it goes any further than these issues, I'm down. I'm all for it. I want to have a little action figure that I can kind of change into. You remember oh. those ones? Remember the Power Rangers that you would yeah. push the belly button and it would flip, and it would flip. into a yeah. dinosaur? I also have the idea for um, I want an, an action figure of him but they released this line called Marvel Legends. And when you buy it, it comes with an extra body part. So you have to buy like all the characters and then each one of them by that time, then you have all the parts for another character, right? So mm -hmm. why not have a, a figure of, of Umberto that like you can take an arm off and put a dinosaur arm on? Or you can yeah. take his legs off and put dinosaur legs and you can make all different kinds of dinosaur parts and then put them on him. Yeah, I that'd want be it, fun. I need it. Yeah. No, because I mean it's the fun like little kid thing. Like my son, like he watches like Steven Universe. He loves Steven Universe. Like, mm -hmm. dude, like that's I like wrote his four favorite. issues of Steven Universe. <laughs> I was gonna mention that. That's why I bring it up. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> you work work on Steven Universe, and I love how that series and the comics and on the show, of course, they they've driven that message, you know, of acceptance and just mm -hmm. being you, relationship, talking about toxic relationships. Just my son's been able to understand, like his aunt, you know, my my, my yeah. sister and her wife, and she calls him. Ruby and Sapphire, you know? Oh, because, oh my gosh, that's so sweet. It's my Tia Ruby, my Tia Sapphire, because my sister has really big curly hair, like a little fro almost sometimes. she's Now she's lined it up now. She <laughs> cut it and lined it all up. But she had the puffy little this. fro, and her wife had this. long hair. I even bought him a shirt. Oh, wow. I love this. <laughs> um, I love it so much. I love it, man. Steven has been a big thing in our home, and my sisters love it. And, you know, you I know you touched on that and wrote on those books. And what was that like, man? I mean, tell me that, like, that experience. Um, Steven Universe came to me because the same company that publishes it published my book, Hotel Dare. And an editor there messaged me saying, I read Hotel Dare, and I liked what you did because it was a sort of like a fantasy epic kind of adventure but with some heart in it. And would you want to do the same thing for Steven Universe? And I was like, <laughs> yes, are you kidding me? I'd seen every episode. And um, <clears throat> he said, okay, we want to do four issues about Lars in space. And I said, uh, like, I don't know. It was almost like, I'm not religious, but it was like a light shining down and like the hallelujah chorus. Cause I was like, I have complained about this before, not a complaint, but like, we don't really see much once he becomes the captain of this ship. We don't see much about no. him after that. He just shows up on earth. And I was like, well, that's a whole cartoon series. Like this adventure of him in space on the, I, I am an insane Star Trek fan. Uh -oh. So I was like, this, this makes a lot of sense to me. 
<laughs> and so he said, you know, write up a pitch, send it to us. You, you know, you're not the only person we're talking to. I think sometimes they got to say that to you so you don't get your hopes up, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and <clears throat> because of my military <laughs> um, Mormon Mexican upbringing, I wrote a pitch like right away. I was flying to California the next day and I was like, I just have to write Here something that's good <laughs> enough. It doesn't have to be perfect, but if it's good enough, then he won't have to go seek out someone else. He'll go, oh, right, this works. And I'll just go with this guy. Fix it, fix it from there. Yeah. So as I packed my suitcase, I watched the three episodes where like Lars turns pink, you know? Yeah. Um, Which was hard to watch. Can we just talk a little yeah. bit for a second about Steven and those episodes? Yeah. That was a tough few episodes, like just emotionally, because we sit there watching a character that we've kind of won. Let's be real was a background character at least in the beginning of the series mm -hmm. you kind of grown to love them and then you slowly see this side of lars like that vulnerability we all feel as a teen that you know that just everything and then you, he goes through this he's shoved into a situation that he didn't know anything about and then we get pink lars not to yeah. kill it for anybody no pun intended but Let's it's, talk about there's that. Been enough, there's been enough time. <laughs> you can, you I mean, can it's say been that. years enough, yeah. but he's... You so know. the thing that I thought about while watching these episodes and coming up with ideas was Lars loves to bake. And his shyness about him is sort of what instigated him getting kidnapped. Because he threw his, like, role in the garbage and then, like, walked away. And that's when he got taken. If he yeah. had been... If he had walked into the party like, I made this, guys. Yeah. That might not have happened. But now that he's pink, kind of like lion and, you know, whatnot, he doesn't have to eat. You know, he's commented on, oh, I'm not hungry and I don't, that's weird. Okay, I don't need to eat. I can't taste anything, whatever. And I thought, well, what do you do with someone who loves to bake but doesn't have to eat? You know, and then I was like, well, does that turn into you, you baking something for other people? You know, does that make them happy? You know, mm. do, does that turn into like, in, in a way, like a service of, of someone else? And I was like, well, it's kind of like being a captain is that you're like doing this for other people. You're leading them in a way. And does that relate? And I thought maybe he feels inadequate as a captain because just the way he, he felt inadequate as a baker. And what I thought was they need to they need to be pursued by Emerald because I love Emerald who's played by Jinx Monsoon from Drag Race. <laughs> And I was like, Emerald needs to find them and they need to be like, we got to escape. But what if escaping into like a nebula brings out all of their deepest fears and they have mm. to confront them, you know? <clears throat> and so part of that, part of one of his deepest fears is um, seeing Sadie again because he still feels guilty that about what happened to her. You know, if I hadn't, yeah. I, I ran away when I could have helped you kind of thing. Um. And I have him have a dream that he has like a bakery and everything's great <laughs> in in uh, in Beach City. Um, and I think eventually that happens on the show. Because mm -hmm. um, you got I, I, space I was, trees. I was prophetic. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 called it into existence. I did. Man. You did um, it. And uh, yeah, it was just so much fun to write. It was t a, a ton of fun to do. Um, how I much think... pressure though? Be real. Like how much pressure? Like oh shit, this is. Uh, something you love to watch, something you enjoyed. Like, did you feel like, oh man, I gotta nail this? I don't know why, but I don't feel a ton of pressure. I sort of adopt the idea of like, well, someone has to do it. <laughs> Someone's gonna do it, so it may as well be me. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, but I mean, the, the, I mean I, me, I think that's my block sometimes when I write. I hit that wall where I'm like, damn, but is it good enough? I mean, it's so here's a couple things. I think one less pressure because it's not like I'm contributing officially to the canon of the show. So, you know, that's a little okay. different. I'm doing comics and they can kind of be seen as like a separate adventure. And if you don't want to think of it as canon, you don't have to. Um, the other thing that I feel like I learned in those 10 years that I put in was that done is better than perfect. So, if we're always striving for, is this good enough? I don't know if it's good enough. Like nothing, nothing will ever be perfect because nothing, nothing is perfect and we're never perfect. So to have something that you can say, I did this and it's done and move on is I think much better than, than the worry, at least for me. Uh, Cause I, I can get into that worry. I can like, 
I can live in the, did you see Luca? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Doug I, can, I can live in that like Bruno headspace, right? And so I have I I call her Deborah though. Like my Bruno is I'm like Deborah. That's enough. Um, and Mama calls her. <laughs> I think she calls her uh, Cayates. Uh, ¿Cómo le dijo? Oh, le dijo Laura. She Laura. Calls her Laura. Yeah, whatever you yeah. need. Her Laura. Yeah. Yep, mine's my Deborah, and I just so I just try not to live in that space. I I think um, I do my best to not read like the bad stuff because then that's giving in to Bruno or Laura or Debra. And I think that would fuel my like, I don't know if this is good enough. Um, yeah, I try not to think about that. I just write it. And I feel like if it, I feel like at, at least I'm working with other people. Like if it's not good enough, the editor might tell me, they might say this needs to be stronger in this area and this needs to be. So I just put a lot of trust in them that, you know, they're professional and they're helping me along. Awesome, awesome. So we're getting here to the end of the show. I've kidnapped you for longer than I expected. <laughs> You're but... fine. No worries. <laughs> Let me ask you this, man. Like, let's talk. Let's talk TV. I know you watch TV. Oh, and you love TV. Let's mm -hmm. talk TV. What right now would say are the top three things you've been watching? They don't have to be new. Just what okay. are the top three things you're watching right now? I know my number one, so I'll save that for the end. Okay. Um, I watch a lot of reality competition TV, but so I won't talk about that because we're talking about story. Sure, um, it's a story. I I love The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> yes, um, my wife pulled me in, dude. I, but, I, but but in a con in a country where the fastest growing demographic is Latina, where all the Latinas, there should be more in this show. Not that I want to see them be handmaids or whatever, but uh. so Handmaid's Tale. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of another one because there's one show I'm obsessed with, and I'll get there. But um, let's see. My, I just watched all of this. Is these are like answers that every, anybody would say. But I just watched all of uh, the Crown with my mom <laughs> because my, <mom's laughs> my mom. My mom loves the fucking Crown, man. See, and I don't, I, I'm, I'm like, I was like, Mom, you're like the only Mexican lady I know that's obsessed with Pr Princess <laughs> Diana and the British royal family. We started season one, right? And she's like, Pero cuando sale Diana? I'm like, Mom, you gotta watch four seasons. My mom was like. <laughs> An early adopter, man. The minute it came out, she's like, ooh, I can't wait till they get to Diana. I, I am, I'll be honest, I am really liking Loki much more than I even expected to. Um, I think it's structured really well. It's a ton of fun. I look forward to it every week. Um, and I loved WandaVision, of course. My number one show, <laughs> honestly think it's like the best show I've seen in like 10 years, is Veneno on HBO. Oh, okay. I've seen, I've seen the previews. I see the art. I, I have not bit yet. Tell me. I have cried me. during every episode. So if you don't really? know. If you don't. And it's like eight episodes. If you don't know. Um, it's based on the life story of uh, Cristina Ortiz. La Veneno. As they called her. And she was a trans performer. And sex worker. And um, she was many, many things. In the 90s in Spain. And they put her on TV and she became super famous. And this young trans woman who was uh, studying to be a journalist wrote a book about her, like met her in her old age and old age, but she's not that mm -hmm. old. Um, and started writing a book about her. And it's a series that follows the story of this young woman and Veneno through like her whole life. Um, it's emotional. It's sad. It's story. It's structure. Story structure is so strong. Um, that I, I've recommended to everybody, but I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna check it out. It's been there when we're swiping through because we saw the. So here's here's the thing: mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. you start playing it, it might start playing funky because they think that everybody in the United States watches HBO Max in English and et cetera, et cetera. But make sure that you that the audio is in Spanish because sometimes it defaults to English. Oh, okay. And, that, and that's a that's an oh no no for me. <laughs> no, no, no. I think some things have to be in that in the Spanish language. Like and even I'll watch dude, I'll watch I'll watch some and I watched Seven Deadly Sins in Spanish because mm -hmm. it was the voice acting was just insane. I yeah. loved it in Spanish. Nice. There's a there's a something that's crazy about Veneno. Her best friend was this woman, uh, is this woman called Paca la Piranha. <laughs> and <laughs> you see that character when she's young, but when you see in like present day that character being played pa the real paka plays paka in this show 
Wow. It's, it's okay. bizarre because you must think about like, oh, she's like playing herself in these scenes that really happened with an actress that's playing her former best friend because she's passed away now. But it's it's really intense and the music's great and I can't say enough good about it. Um, grab a box of tissues. <laughs> oh, man. I'm in. If it's, it's a good, good story, especially it's when it's a, a story like story. that, I'm in. It's, I mean, and, and you learn so much about like Spanish television at the time, and it's it's really interesting. It's definitely very good. Mm -hmm. Me, I've been watching Mister In Between. What's that? It's an Australian show okay. uh, about a man that's a <clears throat> he's a hitman. I'm writing it down. Yeah, he's a hitman that works for uh, like a a strip club, right? Okay. But it's called Mister In Between because he's kind of caught between. You know, having to commit these crimes and these murders and raising a daughter. Mm. They're in Australia and he has a brother that has like a cerebral palsies at the okay. same time. And he's he's kind of caught between these two worlds, right? So he's Mr. But he's also the guy that goes in between. He's, oh, you're the in between. Yeah. You know, that's kind of playing on words. But the it's in Australia. Uh, uh, the character himself really goes through through a whole series of his father was a veteran of the world, was a army vet, very abusive to him and his brothers. Uh, there's even a, a portion of where he hasn't talked to his father like in 10, 15 years because of the abuse and, and, mm. and the animosity there. Uh, he went into the military thinking that that's what he should do. And he came out similar to what his father's attitudes were. And he had a daughter, which changed the way he saw things, which made him change and he went into a lifestyle of crime and, and violence and et cetera. But then mm -hmm. he's trying to still be a dad, find a, find a partner. And it's a really good story. A lot of twists and turns you don't see coming, man. A lot of twists and turns you don't see yeah, coming. It's not a typical story. That's what I love about Veneno is that like this young woman hearing how abusive Veneno's mother was to her because she was different, you know, affects her own relationship with her mother and like valuing how much her mom does care for her and looks out for her and, so yeah, there's some good storytelling there. Australia, there's some good Australian shows. There's a really it's funny surprising. sitcom called Fisk about a, a lawyer in <clears throat> Australia. That one's really good. Um, yeah, there's some good stuff. Mr. In Between, uh, my number one's Loki right now. I've just been watching it like crazy. It's my so son. Fun. It's so fun. And I've been also watching an anime and I recommend it a lot because it's funny, especially if you enjoy anime and if you can kind of get into the meta of anime. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's called, let me see if I can pronounce it right, because I'm going to look it up for you. It's so like, you know how anime is, like it's always yeah. some more weird, wacky, crazy thing that you kind of have to mispronounce or read three times to understand <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm going to pitch you on it first before I find the name. There it is. Okay. So it's called, use it here. it's called Full Dive. This ultimate next gen dive RPG is even shittier than real life. That's literally the title of the anime. Oh my gosh. So remember it this ultimate next gen full dive RPG is even shittier than real life. The pitch is that you know of Sword Art? Yeah. Okay, so it's pretty much taking the idea of Sword Art, but no one dies in real life. You're not trapped in a game, but it's full dive. You experience the, the world. Mm. Right? Everything from hunger, everything from pain. Mm. Uh and you can die in the game, but Here's the catch. If you die in the game, it breaks your console, destroys the game, and that's it. Because you suck at this game, it destroys it and ruins it for you. So it's not like a life or death thing. But the fact that when he's in the game, in his first mission, he's, oh, it's a game. It's a video game, right? He accidentally kills somebody. <laughs> oh, I'll just, I'll, I'll just restart. You can't. And in the game, he's a murderer being chased. And they says, oh, you're in an event. You can't exit. You can't quit because you're in an event right huh. now. So it forces him to play through these scenarios that are almost like real life where he's like, okay, give me a sword. And he tries to swing the sword. He can't. He drops it. It's so heavy. Mm. Like It's all real. And he's like, who the hell would play this shitty game? <laughs> and, and it becomes a whole thing. So I've been doing that. And lastly, of course, Loki, right? Yeah. Loki, like you said, well-structured. I dig it. I love Loki's, the character's growth. I love where they're going with it. My only hangups, if I can, because oh, you yeah. know, it's not perfect, like you said. The hangups that I do have is that I needed more of the 
alternate Lokis. I needed more of that. I needed more more time with those Lokis. I wanted to know a little more. I love them telling me, well, hey, this is my story. This is my story. This is my story. I would have liked a little more than that. Yeah, I maybe feel like, just like one more episode with them, right? Yeah. One more. One. Give me one more. That'd be fine. Show well, me I have one a feeling more. We, I have a feeling we haven't seen the last of Kid Loki. That right there is where I'm, I'm aiming at because... I mean, if they've already cast Kate Bishop and America Chavez and, you know, um, Miss Marvel and mm-hmm. Wiccan. So I, that's just, they've just got to get to that already. We're going to get to that already. I'm excited. But Loki has been thing. My son, my wife and me, we enjoy it. We love it. I love it. Here's my thing. Anything with time travel, I'm a fucking sucker for it. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> I tweeted a thing that was like, um, it was... It was a gif of this contestant on Drag Race where she is a famous quote where she says, well, fuck my drag, right? Like, oh, well, excuse me. I guess I'm shit then, huh? And it was, <laughs> I said, I said, Miss Minutes, the minute Alligator Loki shows up. Yes. <laughs> That's it, dude. I want the pop figure that I have to go find because yeah. it's exclusive to Hot Topic and I got to chase the... Oh. So I know they made an Alligator Loki. Do they make a Miss Minutes? No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. Let me slow down. Oh, Okay. <sighs> There's a Miss Minutes smallish one that comes with one of the pop figures. Oh, really? Yeah. Which so one? it's um uh the TVA agent. I forget her name. The judge. Oh, Rent Slayer. Rent, yeah, Rent yeah. Slayer. Okay. So you get her and a small Miss Minutes. Wow. And also okay. you get a small uh, alligator. Alligator Loki with, with kid Loki. With kid right? Loki. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I just so you have to big alligator down. Loki. Which you gotta go to Hot Topic and Hot Topic's not letting you pre-order. <sighs> Yeah. I don't want to stand in line at a Hot Topic. I mean, what's the last time you went into a Hot Topic? Be real. I, I honestly don't remember. <laughs> yeah. I'm not not that I'm above it. Because no, when I, mean, I was a kid, Hot Topic was like where you go to get your Manic Panic hair dye and like you're a goth kid or whatever. Now it's like where, you go, for, now it's you, where go. you go for like your Doctor Who stuff. <laughs> Hot Topic has interesting knickknacks. I'm all for it. It's kitschy. And then... Now I have to go for Alligator Loki. That's yeah. it. And I got to go to Buck's Lunch to get Classic Loki because the ones are going to have it. Same thing. Mm-hmm. But I digress. Oh, we'll move yeah. on. Geek yep. stuff. But Terry, I, I want to kind of like wrap it up here with you. I've had a, I've had a blast, man. I hope did you enjoy yourself. You. Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime. Well, I want to have you back on, of course. You know, Let's hopefully when the series wraps up, that yeah. way we can kind of really touch on the story and kind of you know start soup to nuts, if you would. Kind of just have fun about the book and, and see where we are then. Definitely want to check out your new book that comes out in October, November, you said, right? Mm-hmm. October. So. Lifetime Passes and Cesar Chavez in October. Awesome. Awesome. Terry, is there, you want to just throw out again any of uh, your socials, your website, anything like that before we end our night? Um, just check me out on Twitter, Instagram at Terry Blast, and my website is terryblast.com. Awesome. Primos, check it out. Of course, you know, we're here week to week. This is a free show. All it costs you is, of course, a share, a like, subscribe. And we will be with you here next week. Take care, primos. Adios.